We are bringing back the Lombardi Trophy to Philadelphia. The greatest fans of the world have their Super Bowl. Welcome back to the British Eagles podcast in association with Passion Avenue. I'm your host, Anthony Bullock, and this is the Time of Possession podcast. That means we have 27 minutes and 38 seconds, as that's how long the Eagles had the ball for against the Cowboys. Joining me this week is John Bargard from Sports Radio WIP and the Go Birds pod. John, thanks for coming back on. That is a fantastic idea. I love this idea because if it's a bad game, it's a short podcast. And if it's a great game, it's a longer podcast. I love this. Yeah, and we, we've noticed that um, against the Jets, we had more than 30 minutes. And against the Vikings and the Cowboys, we've had less than 30 minutes. So it works out well. <laughs> So before we get on to the Eagles, let's talk about you. Last time we had you on the podcast, which was far too long ago, by the way, you had a beard and you had a I slightly did. different setup and now you're under the Go Birds banner. So for those who may not be aware, what's changed and, and what does it mean in terms of content? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's pretty much the same show. We just have uh, Elliot Shore Parks on with us and he's been a great addition to us for the last uh, year or so here and over uh, permanently at Sports Radio 94 WIP, so you can always catch our you know, radio show uh, from 1 to 3 p.m. Uh, Eastern time here in Philly. So uh, just the same stuff. I mean, we do three about three podcasts a week, probably a little more, uh, depending on how busy everything is and where we're at. And, uh, yeah, it's been uh, – Ellie, it's been great since, uh, since we've uh, kind of moved on over to WIP and kind of really expanded – a lot of the stuff that we can do with streaming and uh, graphics and videos and things like that. So we're really happy right now. So, I mean, we'll, we'll remind people at the end of the podcast, how can people find you and uh, go birds pod on social media? Uh, at go birds pod on the twitter.com. Uh, you can find us there on Instagram as well. And then uh, at John Barcher, J O H N B A R C H A R D. Uh, and of course, James Seltzer, same thing. Elliot Shore Park, same thing. We all just kind of stick to our names. So, uh, that's where you can find it there. And then we're, we're, uh, ever you can find your podcast, uh, Stitcher, Google play, Apple pods, tune in, uh, all of that fun stuff, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm sure this week in Philadelphia, the, uh, the phone lines have been very interesting. So there's obviously the game against the Cowboys. A few days now have passed. Uh, we're recording this at about 3 PM UK time on the Thursday. Where are your emotions at now? I think this team is just not that great. Uh, and you're starting to see kind of the, a, a lot of the cracks and what we thought was, I mean, and I still think it's a deep team because uh, even with the two uh, butt whoopings that they've experienced here, you can't really, you know, being down now three starting defensive tackles, you're having rookies on practice squads basically start for you this week. I, it, overall, I still think it's, it's a pretty deep team to be out and go and do that. The only problem is, um, that there's a there's a lot of different uh, you know situations where these guys have been put in and uh, and that's hard. They basically have m- m- like middle of the season injuries right up front in the first couple of weeks. So even with that, I go okay. I think they've handled that okay. But in terms of what they would have to do to to look like 2017, I think is almost impossible. So I'm more switching to let's let's now just see if Carson Wentz can get into a playoff game because uh, I desperately think he needs that. And that would be really weird for a guy that, you know, in a four year span now has not 
been been officially to a playoff game as a player on the field. So um, I think that should be everybody's concern right now. And that's what Howie should kind of do over the next um, week or two here is just try to figure out how to get that offense back in tow because um, this defense is never really going to change. You know, uh, it needs help too. And um, thinking that the corners uh, were a, a good spot and, uh, and a lot of depth, it turns out to be, uh, again, for like the tenth year in a row, one of the one of the weaker spots on this Eagles team. So, um, you need to get the offense going because that's the only way you're going to be able to go win games. Uh, and you need to have the ability to not be down 10, 15, 17, 20 points um, in the first couple of quarters here. And that's been the biggest Achilles' heel is they just they aren't starting fast at all. So, uh, I mean, my assessment is: can you fix this team? I think you can. Uh, and I know there's a lot of people out there right now that want to go and sell and sell and just like, let's just start retooling and rebuilding. And um, I, I, I think that's uh, a big mistake. The, the only problem that the Eagles front office faces right now, at least in my opinion, is kind of how this all transpired, because they I, I think they all tricked themselves. And we all did, too. I mean, we're still hyped off of the, the Super Bowl, the Nick Foles getting to the divisional round. Um, I think that tricked a lot of people going like, see, it's still competitive. It's still there. We just had a lot of crazy injuries, plus the Super Bowl hangover. Uh, Carson was hurt. Like there was all these things. But in reality, that was just happening, you know, and I think that's what we're seeing now and why everyone's panicking. Uh, and it's kind of the way it looks like that, that Howie and everybody else kind of handled free agency. And, you know, uh, the draft in a lot of these places is let's try and stack the offense here. Uh, as much as possible. And then, unfortunately, your second-round pick can't get on the field. Matt Collins is on the field and is not catching any football. So uh, it, it needs to improve, and I think that they should be doing things uh, to improve the offense over the next two weeks. So when you say doing things to improve the offense, we've obviously got the trade deadline looming, which is a focus of a lot of fans. Is there anyone out there that you think can help? And You know, when I say help, it's more around turning the season around now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a, a little bit, and, and I think it's uh, it, it should be that. And, and like I said, like the, to sit here and and not at least try to go grab, you know, uh, Chris Harris Jr. at this point um, to see if your old friend Joe Douglas is going to let loose of Robbie Anderson. There's been conflicting reports on that and whether they're willing or not. Um, but I think at the right pl- price, absolutely, he can be taken here. That's still one of my favorite targets, and. Listen, I, he's not going to be uh, anything like Deshaun, uh, uh, nor is anybody really on this team. I mean, Nelson Aguilar can't even do that. But what he does give you is the same amount of speed. Um, and that is what is desperately missing from this entire offense. Like, you, you don't realize that Deshaun kind of puts it to bed so quickly if he's not on the field because you realize teams the first time that they had an opportunity to do is I'm going to go take out Zach Ertz on second and third downs and good luck. If you want us to go want to run the football with Jordan Howard and do that that way, that's, that's a win for us. And that's, that's kind of the, the biggest problem with the offense. It doesn't have any speed and it doesn't have any reliable pass catchers on top of that. So um, I, I'd be big on bringing uh, Robbie Anderson here. I know AJ green has been a popular name, but um, I mean, 31, with a humongous injury history. And it sounds like the Bengals are asking for a pretty hefty price on that right now. So 
I'm, I'm kind of low level out on that. If you want to bring in, you know, defensive tackles, obviously the Bengals have a couple of those guys. And Geno Atkins is another popular name that's in there. I just don't think it's going to move anything. You know, what's going to move something is if they start scoring points. And this is that's been the biggest issue for like the last year and a half. And they've tried a billion times to do these things with Golden Tate. And then that doesn't really work out. And he's non-existent and he's still doing pretty well. Uh, up in New York right now. So it's it's a very confusing thing of I'm not really sure how, you know, how he talks to Doug and then talks to Mike Grow and say, how do we make this work? Can you guys make this work? They're obviously communicating, but it just seems like they fall flat um, when, when it comes to like getting guys in here. The same with like Dallas Goddard. You, you figured this would be OK. He's going to. You know, maybe he'll be in line tight end most of it, most of the time. But, hey, uh, they're doubling Zach Ertz. So maybe we should, you know, focus on getting Dallas got at the ball. And that really hasn't happened too much either. So um, speed, reliable pass rushers and one corner that can can do and and maintain where, <laughs> where they're at. Um, and I think Chris Harris at least gives you that in the slot with Jalen Mills being there. I think that makes your secondary a lot stronger. So couple uh, i'll take all of them if they want to do that but specifically get me a wide receiver uh, that can help this football team right away you've had a lot of focus on the offense um with everything that you've been saying how much do you buy into the the frank reich theory and whether he was the, the mastermind behind the super bowl run uh i what the, the thing here's the thing because it's not just frank either it's john DiFilippo. And it's Doug Peterson all on top of that. So you've got experience from a bunch of different places in one spot. Uh, and clearly it hurts. It is. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Frank Reich is doing an excellent job in Indianapolis. Uh, I think uh, John DeFilippo is doing a fantastic job down in Jacksonville. It's always made me kind of odd that the whole <laughs> trip to Minnesota last year didn't work out for them so well. Um, and, and now you see why, like there's obviously, you know, cousins is more comfortable or whoever's more comfortable, uh, doing that stuff. But, um, I, I think the inexperience of all this is definitely hurting. I mean, Mike Rowe has never been a coordinator really before in, uh, in the NFL, neither is Deuce and his name gets left out of this, uh, a lot of the time too, even though he's had a ton of experience, they just haven't had a ton of experience game planning, you know, week to week to week. So I'm sure Doug's pulling uh, most of the stuff on his side and there's nobody to bounce things off of you know frank reich was already overqualified to be here as an offensive coordinator uh and you know it's his name got shuffled around before he got to philadelphia so much that like everybody just assumed that he was just going to be some guy because of his track record with the chargers the chargers offense wasn't that impressive uh either and now it's gotten worse since he's left so um uh, I, I just think that's what that is and something you well, first of all, br- blame Ross Tucker because he's the one that tweeted to Jim Irsay directly and said, hey, <laughs> you, you should take a look at Frank Reich. And I'm going, what, you, what are you doing, man? Just let them do what they want to do. And then the next thing you know, Frank Reich's being interviewed and then he goes and gets the job and you're going like, man, that's going to stink so much. Uh, and that was all unexpected as well on top of that. So um, by the time you got to that process, there was no real guy that they could go, OK, Let's go find the next experienced guy that is either not on the market or something. And you're going to go, all right, well, we'll just I guess we'll just go with Deuce and Mike Rowe because they've been here and at least I trust and I know them. So to go from and this is in large part about 
you know, the Carson criticism comes from that, too, because you're all expecting 2017 again uh, in both back to back years. And, and we've all been guilty of of that. And not that it's, you know, uh, during the offseason when we're when everybody's saying all these things and Carson Wentz is going to be an MVP candidate and all of this. It's be, it's predicated on Deshaun Jackson still being here for more than a game in a in a maybe a what point zero zero eight of a quarter of a of another. So um, I just think it, they've gotten uh, behind the eight ball themselves. I think they've had some bad luck on top of that. And yes, they're missing a, a bunch of experience at the coordinator position right now that could help out Doug. So like it, it's all trickling down. It seems like to me, Howie obviously is trying to help these guys and then nothing really does. Doug's trying to look for some help somewhere. I'm not so sure that that's really, you know, in the, uh, in the offensive coaches room right now. And then that transfers down to Carson. Cause I don't think they're really helping Carson out as much as they can be. And now Carson loses guys and then has two guys that maybe can catch a football if they throw it to him like perfectly every single time. And now Sean Jeffrey. So it, it's a trickle down effect for me. And it starts from, you know, how they planned this out in 2018 and even beyond that. Uh, and it kind of makes me wonder with all of this stuff that's hanging around and especially with locker room stuff, which I'm sure we'll get into too, is, you know, like the Nick Foles statue is still there. Uh, you know, Chris Long had a shrine of, of, of Nick Foles uh, during that 2018 run. Uh, you're, the, the anonymous sources, all this other stuff that's building around that too, is is a, that that's part of trying to keep this window together. Because now they've this team has seen Nick Foles, Frank Reich, John D. Filippo, they all have their favorite guys and all of their favorite people and and whatever. Um, it's one of the biggest reasons why I was so very surprised that they didn't move on from Nick Foles the year before, because if Nick Foles doesn't lead you into the playoffs, and I know that's a silly thing to say as a fan, I don't think this kind of overall, oh my God, you know, oh, Carson, there's all this pressure on Carson now. So um, I, I think this all hurt them in the long run, why they're trying to hold on tight to this current window to try and go win another Super Bowl. I don't fault them for doing it because we we're all telling them to go and do this thing, but now I think it's just facing all of these different realities, including needing b- desperately, you know, more experience at the coordinator positions. You mentioned all the sort of locker room unrest that's going on. How how much of that is dictated by the fact that they've that they're playing the way they are? If they were winning, would we be seeing this? Is it being overblown because we're losing? Big time, I, absolutely. Like there is. And, and that's uh, something that me and James Seltzer always go back and forth about chemistry and football teams and whatever it is. The key to chemistry is winning football games. That's pretty much it. Everybody likes each other when they're doing their job and everybody, everything's flowing. Like you feel invincible, even if it's guys that you don't personally get along with. As long as the team is doing good, everybody's going to feel happy and have a lot more camaraderie and, you know, all start talking smack together and all dancing together. And that's what you saw in 2017. Like half of those guys have been in different situations and different locker rooms and you know and even when LeGarrette Bunt came in everybody was going oh I don't know I don't know and and nothing mattered and the same thing when Jay Ajayi came in and it didn't disrupt any of the running backs and Corey Clement unfortunately you know he's been injured now back-to-back seasons as uh was was supposed to be a guy now that he's not so I'm sure there's a lot of things going on because you got to think of injuries people with new contracts people that are asking for new contracts people who desperately want the football, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things that are, that are spending right now. And 
Um, I, I, all that said, I still don't think that the, the locker room issues are really that deep. And just like you said, if they go and beat the Bills and then beat Chicago and hang out right by the bye week and then get you know, two more games at home before they have got to go do anything and then get to the easiest part of their schedule. I, it's, it's one, why I don't think the season's over. Two, they can easily like snap back into that. Uh, and honestly, it just needs now, right now, that more than anything, the Eagles need continuity and they need people to be on the field as, as long as they possibly can and contributing uh, on top of that because – that's that's what I think can turn this thing around easily. Um, uh, and I, I, the, the reason why it feels so bigger, I think, uh, with all these quotes and people asking for, you know, certain things or um, whatever's on their minds. I mean, you have media priorities the first couple of days after this game anyway. So, you know, Malcolm Jenkins doesn't understand where Lane Johnson's coming from. Uh, and he was asked directly about it. So he's going to answer it. the same thing with Brandon Graham. And he answers it. And Doug Peterson, and he obviously answered because he has obligations at, you know, WIP in the morning with Angelo and then also, you know, the press conference a couple of hours later. So all these people are going to get asked about it. It's just pretty much the same answer. And if there's a, you know, cancer in the locker room or anything, which people like to throw around a lot of the time, I, I don't really I don't I don't really see it. I just see a bunch of media members asking the same question over and over. And, and that then becomes a distraction. But. Outside of that, uh, I, I think for the most part, everybody knows what's going on. They know that they can be better, uh, and especially Fletcher Cox. Like you can, you can almost see it every time that he gets asked a question. Like he clearly is still bothered by the by the injury that he suffered last year. It's not quite there, uh, and these no one likes to lose. So uh, that that's a big part of it. And obviously, there'll be some somebody that'll say something and if the losing continues it's you know things are going to be said uh none of them are going to be 100 percent true either it's just how somebody's feeling kind of in that moment and i think a lot of people need to understand that a lot of the time after you know two back-to-back brutal losses i mean we're sitting here uh and doug is describing as like yeah, this is a top three loss like of all time <clears throat> that this team has ever been a part of so they're going to be mad. There's going to be emotions and there's going to be a blame that are going around when these things are happening. So uh, winning will cure all. And I, I don't see it as a long term issue for this locker room. Winning cures it all. It's got to start this Sunday against the Bills, who have got off to a, a five and one start, a surprising five and one start, um, very much based on their disciplined defense. What, how do you see Sunday playing out? What are the keys to victory for the Eagles? Honestly, you look at the Bills and you just kind of shake your head and go, how does this team have a, first of all, how does it have a winning record and how does it only have one loss on it? And you're going like, man, uh, you know, then that's, that's I nothing to really kind of take away from the Bills Mafia here or anything, but uh, no, I, I actually am. It's the fraudiest, fraudiest team I've ever looked at the entire season. You're just going like, what the hell? They were, you know, Miami was competitive against them. And a lot of people always just go, but yeah, look what happened to Tom Brady when they came in there in the defense and da, da, da. I was like, yeah, okay, congratulations. It's a divisional game. Tom Brady clearly doesn't look the same. And uh, they are desperate for weapons as they traded for, you know, Sanu for, uh, for a second round pick to kind of fit it back in there again. Um, I, the Bills defense is good, but it's not like, dominating you know there's there's a lot of leaky faucets 
on uh, on both sides of the ball there, and including like the biggest biggest thing that they the Eagles have going for them is they're finally facing a terrible quarterback, and it's Josh Allen, who yes he can run, and yes he's very athletic, and yeah he can move the pocket, and he's got a rocket for an arm. It's just he can't hit the broadside of a barn with it, so that should give you at least a little a little breath when it comes to you know the secondary and Darby more than likely being back. Uh, Mills, who I thought, you know, despite one incredible catch from Amari Cooper, um, they weren't really going to his side anyway. So I actually really like this matchup uh, in particular for the Eagles. Um, I, it doesn't mean that I think they're going to win because <laughs> there's uh, this team has to has a lot to prove to me. And I obviously you, too, that, you know, in, not, nothing is kind of taken for granted here. But this is this is the best chance to kind of get themselves you know, back back into the swing of things and not even in the sense of just like we were saying, uh, you know, fast first quarter starts or blah, blah, blah. Nothing like that. Just go win a sloppy ass, whatever, 20 to 17 game, something like that, uh, because they're, the Bills will allow you to to continue to stick into this game no matter what, um, I, unless there is just. You know, Cole Beasley is is suddenly getting getting his revenge because he's like, oh, good, I get to play the Eagles and, you know, I don't know, score 30 touchdowns or something like that. Uh, I, I I don't see a high-scoring game. I mean, no Bills games are high-scoring because their offense is so inept. You know, it's just archaic at some points. They do a lot of power. Uh, they do a lot of, you know, QB draw stuff. They do, I mean, it's just whatever they like to it's a defensive philosophy with Sean McDermott we all very familiar with what he does uh the disciple of of uh, uh Jim Johnson kind of continues on I mean a lot of the same things are are still in place when it comes to that and um you know you, you just think and hope that Andre Dillard can build off of his first start uh come back again and you know give Carson some time and that's that's it. That's another thing, too. It's just, you know, I mean, there there's been like 50 people that have been mentioning this for the last couple of weeks. And the last time that, you know, Carson Wentz to manage the football game in quotes was probably in Green Bay. And you still come away with three touchdowns and only 160 yards and so on and so on. I don't think this is a team that you're, you know, if Doug thinks that he's going to go back in and be like, OK, now we can run on the football with Jordan Howard. Now we can go back to Miles Sanders and start getting the run game going. This is not the game to do it. Have Carson throw the football. I would put him in tempo. I would put him out of the pocket. I would get him on the move as much as possible because the Bills hate that. Uh, and and start from there and try to just ignite uh, and get Carson going because you certainly don't need the running backs to get going. So uh, I, I think it'll be uh, uncomfortably close. And I and I right now, if I had to pick, like I think the Eagles might squeak this one out. Want to put a score on that one? Um, um, let's go 20, 24, 17. They can squeak it out. Okay. So we've got, we've got three touchdowns there. Hopefully it's the offense getting all the touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. I'll take a defensive interception. That's fine. Which, uh, which, Oh yeah. Josh Allen will definitely throw a pick in this game. Like there's no, no doubt about it. <clears throat> Fab. Okay. Well, hopefully the Eagles get back to winning ways uh, against the bills on Sunday. Now, John, we had a group trip out to Philadelphia from the UK for the Jets game, and we've got other fans going out to Philadelphia on individual trips for the Pats game and the Seahawks game and things like that. And everyone we speak to, we want to get a little bit of advice and and guidance on what people from the UK should be doing when they get out to Philly. So what's at the top of your list of things to, to do and see? 
uh, in the city itself. Oh man. Um, I think it is, uh, everybody should go check out the historic district, uh, uh, as, as, as fast as you can. I know it's busy. I know it's the biggest touristy thing to do with the Liberty bell and independence hall and all of that stuff. But, um, that's still one of my favorite places in the city. You can, you know, have lunch like on the lawn. There's plenty of parks that are around the area too. And more importantly, there's a lot of good places to go grab a sandwich or uh, a lot of, a lot of nice, like, you know, sit down places that are around there too. I think you start there for sure. Um, you know, go to the, uh, go to the parkway, the Benjamin Franklin parkway, I think is really nice to, uh, to look at um, taking a walk on Kelly drive, like seeing all the different, sides of philadelphia is uh I, I think is really cool and then honestly if you have any questions with like restaurants bars where you need to go just send me a tweet at john barchard and i'll make you a list depending on your tastes and things like that the one thing you should absolutely not do is do not go to pets or Gino's. don't even go to jim's on south street if you're looking for a cheesesteak the two places that you have to go to first one john's roast pork which is kind of sort of near uh the stadium it's pretty close by i would say it's like I don't know, five to 10 minutes away, depending on traffic and things like that. Um, it's in a weird place. It's right next to a strip club. It's been there since the 1920s, I believe, but it is the best cheesesteak in town. Uh, or as a tie, and this is another one that I love, it's on 6th and South, which is where people will tell you to go to gyms, but the line's out the door, and you can just walk into Woodrow's, which I think is in between 6th and 7th on South Street. And that, my friends, is one hell of a it's got truffle whiz on it. It's got, you know, and the peppers and onions and all sorts of deliciousness. So highly recommend those two places in particular if you're going to go for a cheesesteak. But, yeah, I think those those are the things. If you have a, a just a quick amount of time, go to Independence Hall. Check out uh, the the Parkway. Uh, go for a walk along Kelly Drive. And, uh, and then go stuff your face with sandwiches. I think that's a good plan. It's one of my favorite conversations to have with people in Philly about where to go and get their cheesesteaks. Everyone gives a different answer. <laughs> Except for don't go to Pats and Gino's. That's a common answer. <laughs> I mean, you can't go to Pats and Gino's if you're down and partying and it's two o'clock in the morning. They're open at any time. That's what's the beauty of those two places. So it's not like it's the worst thing in the world. Just don't have that be your first one is all. Very quickly, um, as time is running out on uh, this podcast, what should people be doing on the day of the game? Day of the game. Uh, we are there for every home game at the Jetro lot. Uh, which is the M&M parking lot where we tailgate. Uh, if you guys are interested, we have a, the you can be part of the Diamond Club tailgate, which is what we're going to start doing from now on with the fans of Philly. It's like, I, I can't remember the ticket price, but it's all-inclusive. It includes beverages and a whole bunch of buffets. Uh, we'll be there for pre- and post-game and all that fun stuff if you want to do it high class. Or, uh, honestly, shout-out to E-Rock and those guys because I know they throw one hell of a tail, tailgate, so find the fourth and John crew if you can't find us. Excellent. And a quick message to the listeners of the podcast. We've got our UK meetup for the Pats game on the 17th of November at Passyonk Avenue. So check out our social media channels for that one. And the Flying to Philly tour is going to be back for the 20, uh, for autumn 2020. So keep your entire diary clear. And when the, the schedule drops in sort of April, May time, we'll know which uh, game we're going to be going to and all the details will be released Fantastic. for that. John, on thank you so much for, for being on the be. podcast. Just remind people your uh, social media handles. Yes, uh, at GoBirdsPod, at John Barchard. Where on Passyunk Avenue are you guys going to be for the Pats game? What's that, sorry? Where are you going to be on Passyunk Avenue? 
Oh, no, sorry. It's a bar in London called Passion Avenue. Oh, get out of town. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. Shout out to those guys. Yeah, it, it's amazing. They, they get a lot of love. A lot of people come from Philly to the UK and they, they end up in there and they say, I don't know why we've ended up in here because uh, it's just like <laughs> being in Philly. Well, if you, I'll throw that in there. Go on Passiak Avenue because there's amazing shops and restaurants on there too if you're here in Philly. Excellent. More guidance from, from John there. John, can we get a quick uh, what's going on, Great Britain, how you uh, intro your podcast? Is that okay? Absolutely. Here we go, guys. Oh, what's going on, Great Britain? Amazing. What a way to end the podcast. Jan, John, thank you so much for coming on. You got it, guys. Have a good night.